We'll begin today. Glad you're with us here in the studio. Glad you're with us online, whenever that might be. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I love 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's one of my favorites in all the Bible because it just gives us so much knowledge, so much meat, so much wisdom, so much clear-cut direction. And I believe the Lord's going to bless us today with some great truths in His Word that will point us to the One who is the truth, Jesus into what He did at Calvary for us. Before we dig in this morning, just a couple things. Robin and I will be leaving immediately after the broadcast today, headed to Wichita Falls, Texas, to be with Pastors Colton and Casey Hill and Pastors Clint and Lindsey Bass. And I'm not sure if Pastor Tommy Wiedelman's going to be able to make it. I hope he does. Him and Sister Susie, always a blessing to be around those folks there. In Wichita Falls, uh, tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, and Sunday morning, we'll all be together there at Crossway Church. And just excited about that. And a couple weeks later, October the 4th, I will be with Pastor Wayne Voss there in Greenwood, Mississippi. Him and his lovely wife, Sister Debbie, and the congregation there of Cross-Eyed Believers. Just excited about being there too. And then the Determined Camp meeting, October the 22nd through the 25th in Dublin, Georgia at Crossway Fellowships with Pastor Scotty Williams and the great folks of Crossway Church there in Dublin, Georgia. Excited about that. And we are presently right now planning a trip to Lima, Ohio for the 15th through the 18th of January. Robin and I are going to go up and we're going to uh, have a two or three meetings in January there in Lima. So I'll be posting more on social media about that and announcing uh, more of that as we approach that coming date. But we're looking forward to those meetings as well. And uh, we're just thankful uh, to be able to be anywhere sharing the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that the Lord's going to give us some good stuff today. Hallelujah. So here we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is session 1 here on the 18th day of September in 2020. What a year it's been. And a lot of dark things have happened, but I'm telling you, if you're on the path of the just, God has promised that that path will shine as the light more and more. It's that path that shines as the light more and more. Proverbs 4.18 tells us that. I'm on it. I'm excited. And it's getting brighter and brighter for those who are walking on that path. Praise the Lord. So, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul tells Timothy, and you and me today, if we have ears to hear, you therefore, my son, be strong... In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, we'll spend a whole hour today talking about this one verse. We'll spend the whole session today talking about this one verse because it's very important. And I know that I don't have that big of a sphere of influence, but praise God for the few that do walk with us and glean what the Lord gives this ministry. The light is getting brighter and the, and, and the, and the way is being seen more clearly and the anointing is becoming greater and God's grace is becoming greater. And I'm thankful for that today. And uh, we're not caught up in all the things of the world, we've not. Uh, we might have at one time turned our back on the things that Paul taught, but praise God, we're back looking and receiving those things now that Paul taught the church. 
And you have to ask yourself when you read this first verse, if you're a student of the Bible and not just a reader of the Bible, if we're Christians and already in Christ, uh, we already have access to the grace, then why is Timothy being reminded to be strong in the faith, in the grace that's in Christ Jesus? Because the strength that we find that's in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ does not just, we don't just wake up and experience that every day. It is a choice that we have to make every single day to make sure that we're today going to walk in Christ Jesus. And it's not something I wake up and tell myself. It's something I'm conscious of. It's in the forefront of my mind because there's going to be things that happen in my day that are going to cause me to have to choose, am I going to walk in Christ through this or am I going to get in the flesh and try to handle this the way they handle it, the way that book said handle it, or am I just going to receive the strength of Christ found in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'll have to make that choice in every situation. And for too long, we've, we've come up against circumstances and situations and trials, and before by the end of the day, we just were a big flop again. There's no sense in that. There's absolutely no sense in that. We can have the grace of God if we learn that it's in Christ Jesus. And if we already are in Christ Jesus, we need to learn what that means. Why do I have to be told and reminded if I'm already saved by grace, if I'm already in Christ, why do I need to be told to be strong? And why do I have to be told that it's in the grace that's in Christ Jesus? Because we live in a world and we live in a flesh body. There is a real devil. I have a real flesh. The world's full of real evil. The church is full of rarely truth at all to be spoken of. So I have to be told. I have to be reminded. And at this point would be a good time to... And, and I hope you're learning to do this too. When you see the word therefore, you have to go back because Paul is telling Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus uh, because of what he had just told him. And it's something that the Lord has showed me and stirred in my heart in a bigger place of reality than ever before that Paul said just previously in this letter to Timothy, Timothy, you know that all those in Asia have forsaken me. Then he taught all those in Asia have forsaken me. Those he would write a letter to just in one church in Asia, Galatia, and say, you've fallen from grace. I marvel you've so quickly removed yourself from him. You, you, you're now walking in a place where Christ can't profit you. You, you, you can't be affected by him any longer. And, and, and we know that they just went on into that false stuff they went into <coughs> because Paul tells Timothy, They've all forsaken me. And you know, it was because more than likely they went on and followed the Judaizers, which were those who were not accepting Christ. They were not accepting Him and His way of Calvary as salvation because in Acts chapter 15 verse 1, they were telling everybody you can't be saved unless you're circumcised, unless you do something, which eliminates us from the grace of God because we can't do anything and work to earn it. It's freely given to us. Romans 8, 32, 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. Everything God has for us is freely given to us, whether it's grace 
It doesn't matter what you name, it's freely given to us. So, therefore, because of that, Paul tells Timothy, be strong, my son, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And we're going to talk about that today because there is no strength except in grace. And there is no grace except in Christ. So to say that, we need to understand something, I hope, in this Bible study. I'm already in Christ. So why am I having to be told to be strong in the grace that's in Christ? Because being in Christ and walking in Christ is two different things. In my position right now, I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. I'm in Him. I'm with Him. But I'm also here. That's my position eternally. This is my condition. This is the avenue through which I've been given by God to live this life to express Him in this earth today. And those are two different things. Because we have been justified and our position is what it is in Christ at the right hand of the Father, we're seated there with Christ. Now, because of that, we can express Christ here. When we fall, we can get up. When we're attacked on every side, as Timothy was, and everybody was forsaken, that which Paul had preached, and think about this, Paul left Timothy in Ephesus. He left him there to pastor or maybe to apostle the, the people uh, that were in that area. But he left him there. We learned that in the book of Ephesians that Paul left him there and people are dropping out like flies going, going under the law. A law they'd really never been under as far as the, the Jewish people. They weren't. They were Gentiles. And then, but, but the Judaizers went everywhere Paul went uh, and tried to pull them under really the curse of the law and that's all it is when you go back and trying to get God to work on your behalf whether it's to save you or to give you grace daily because of what you're doing you're, you're, you're living as though you're back under the law and that's where the curse exists there's no grace under the law except when God finds you there and shows you the cross so that He can redeem you from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. And you no longer live as though you're under law but under grace. And when we go back to that other, then we do without grace. We might be calling all these things that we're operating in grace, but grace is God at work and God works in our lives, through our lives, for us when our faith is in Calvary. We'll see that today. There's no other avenue for grace to come. There's no other avenue for grace to be found except in Christ Jesus. There's only one place to be strong and that's in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That grace only flows into the heart and life that is trusting in the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul, because Paul tells Timothy to be strong assures us that strength isn't something that just takes place for the child of God. For if that was the case, all those in Asia would not have forsaken Paul. They'd still be walking in Christ, being strengthened by the grace of God. But they weren't. They forsook Paul. Remember that. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. You know, Timothy, all those in Asia 
have forsaken me. Think about that. So, an important scripture for our lesson today is Colossians 2.6. I hope you'd write this down. I hope you would highlight this in your Bibles. I hope you would allow the Holy Spirit to, uh, and I hope He would today, just cause an explosion in your heart concerning this scripture. And, and, and we know it means what we're about to tell you, that it means because of what we've already said, if, if it, listen, if if this weren't the case of what we're about to explain with about Colossians 2.6, then what we've said about verse 1 of the second chapter of 2 Timothy is not right either. But because we don't just wake up every day and, and tiptoe through the tulips of holiness and we don't just wake up every day and function all day by the grace of God because we're the children of God, but rather we're under attack all day if your faith is in Calvary. That faith is under attack. And, and because of the way the world is, and I've already said it, the devil, our, old stink, our own stinking flesh and the church backslidden as far and as awful as it is, we need to understand this today. Us being told these things is what we need to be told. And we better be learning Bible instead of just reading Bible. Amen? Colossians chapter 2 verse 6, Paul says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And that means, it absolutely means, just like you received Him, you must walk in Him. You received Him through, with your heart, believing that Jesus died for your sins at Calvary. You heard that. You believed that. You received that for yourself. With your heart, you believed under that perfect and righteous work at Calvary. And at that moment, you begin to walk in Christ because you were born again. You received Him through faith in His sacrifice. And here, the Bible says, just like you received Him, you have to walk in Him. Just like when, when we think we're walking in Christ, but our faith is in anything other, anything other than the cross, then we at best are weak in the faith. As Romans 14 teaches, we are weak in the faith. And those who are weak in the faith because of a mixture, really always when there's any type of mixture, that's sin. Need to say, just because I'm weak in the faith and I think I'm gaining righteous fruit because I'm only eating vegetables does not mean that that's not a sin. That's a sin. Every time I'm trusting in myself and what I'm doing, even though I'm claiming I'm doing it for the purpose of serving God and I'm serving Christ and, and, and I'm working for this righteousness, that's a sin. We need to remember that. I want you to think about something this morning. When the Lord brought His people Israel out of Egypt on what's called the Passover, when they put the blood on the doorpost and the Lord passed over and... Instead of harming his people, all the firstborn in Egypt were killed. People, animals, anything that was a firstborn died. And the, the celebration on Passover <coughs> to be throughout their generations was to be the feast of unleavened bread for a week. 
unleavened bread. Do not put any leaven in your bread, which speaks of mixture. This is the way I brought you out of Egypt, by the blood alone. And there is to be in this celebration. It was so important to God. You can read these things uh, I'm talking about in Exodus chapter 12. There was, it was so important to God that if there was any leaven that week partaken of, they were to be cut off from Israel. Cut off. No longer an Israelite if they if they partook of leaven during that week of unleavened bread, which typified singleness of vision, singleness of deliverance, singleness of the only way to walk with God and when found will walk right out of bondage. Right out of Egypt they walked by the blood and the blood alone. Now I want you to relate that to some of the things Paul wrote to the the New Testament. Churches that... A little leaven will leaven the whole lump. And he told the church in Galatia that you've removed yourself from him. Why? Because they were now mixing faith in circumcision. And a mixture of faith, if it's not the cross alone, then with our hearts we speak to God and tell God the cross was not enough and we need to remember that. Now I want you to see this Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 again. And the reason we're reading this is because Paul told Timothy and for those of us who will hear today, he's telling us that you can be strong, but it's only in the grace that's found in Christ Jesus the Lord. We're already saved by grace. We're already in Christ. So we're learning that We don't just get up and go through the motions and it happens. We get up and determine at any given moment because it's right here. It's not floating around back here. It's right here. We're we're conscious that I need Jesus today in any situation that arises and I'm going to walk with Him through faith in what He did at Calvary. That's how I received Him. Remember? That's how we received Him and that's how we must walk in Him. And if our faith remains in the cross while everybody else is turning away and no longer holding fast to the form of sound words, no longer wanting to hear sound doctrine, waxing cold because, uh, 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 from love because iniquities abounding, as long as you're looking at the cross, my friend, you're going to be walking like Timothy in the grace of God, in the strength of God. Hallelujah. And this is an important verse. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. How about that word received? How important is that? When the apostle John would write to the church of Sardis in Revelation 3 and 3 and say, you better remember how you received and heard and repent, and hold fast, or I will come on you as a thief. Listen, he he promises them that if they will repent and overcome where they've been found, which is just like the churches, these are still the churches in Asia, that he won't blot their names out of the Lamb's book of life. So the word received is very important. Are you receiving today? 
If you are, the proof is right here because your faith is still in the cross of Christ, not for just what saved you initially, but for the grace you need today, whether it's to be a mama, a daddy, a husband, a wife, (coughs) whatever part your role is in Christianity and you have a role, you've got to have the grace of God to be able to keep functioning by His Spirit, which is the Spirit of grace. You you can't separate the Spirit of grace from grace operating in your life. So, therefore, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And I do hope that you're mentally taking note of these verses that we give you there of utmost importance. I am speaking of a time that Jesus is about to come for His church. And most of the church is backslidden. They, 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 we've made excuses for why everything in, in, around us, it's okay to be wrapped up in it, entangled in it, and it has become far more important to us than the way of the Lord. All these things we're refusing to let go of. The Lord is trying to pull us away from these things only though to draw us closer to Him, not just to pull us away from things we don't need to be uh, wrapped up and all tangled up in, but because we need to be walking with Him. And we can't walk with Him just because we go to church on Sunday, Wednesday night. I'm not walking with Him just because I'm reading Bible, just because I'm sharing. I'm walking with Him if my faith is in what He did at Calvary for me. There is where I'm found walking in Him. The strength of God being ministered to me by the Spirit of grace again today. Not because I say it, but because He said it and He's given us the way in which we find grace that's in Christ every single day. It's very important. Only through faith in the cross will we find the grace of God. I quote this scripture all time, all the time, and I'm going to quote it again this morning. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Jesus came, the Bible says Moses came and brought the law. Through Moses came the law, but through Jesus Christ, thanks be to God, came grace and truth. But the only avenue through which he brought it and will impart it is what he did at Calvary. There's no other avenue for grace. None. It won't come. It won't happen because I want grace. Because I ask for grace doesn't mean I get it. I get grace when I look and believe and trust and depend on what Christ did for me at Calvary. For that, the cross is the place of impartation of salvation and any experience of it. Again, I don't get the things of God I need today just because I'm saved. James said you don't have what you need because you're not asking for it, church. But, oh, now you're asking, but you're asking just so you can consume what you're asking for according to the flesh and not the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. But if you lack wisdom, oh, because you need wisdom if that's happening... Just ask, but make sure you ask in faith. That means faith in Calvary. 
So we see Jesus had to taste death for grace to have an an avenue to flow to you and me. And that doesn't mean just for initial salvation. And we know that because you and I, the Bible tells us, we go from faith to faith and that happens like this. By grace, through faith. By grace, through faith. Every day is by grace, through faith, or we're not functioning in the things of the Lord. We can act like we are. It can, uh, we can feel like we are. And, uh, but it can seem like we are. But the Bible says there's a way that surely seems right to man, but the end of that way is death. I'm sure all those in Asia that forsook Paul didn't think they'd forsaken God. But if they forsook what Paul had preached, and obviously because of what John writes to... Sardis and Ephesus and the seven churches and what Paul had written to to Galatia and all the things we see there, pretty much they forsaken the truth. They were going back to trust in circumcision, days, weeks, festivals, and the church is all wrapped up in that too. I've seen preachers put on shawls uh, thinking that God's going to hear them better now. Wear a little beanie on your head or all these things. Let me tell you something, folks. When you look to Calvary, God's got an ear open to you and an arm that's not too sharp to reach you and change just what you need to see changed in your life. But when you're trying to do something to move God, that's... That's not, new, that's not new covenant. Jesus did what moves God. Hallelujah. Jesus did the perfect work of righteousness at Calvary and through that alone comes grace. Look at Galatians this morning. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful words of life. Why don't we just go run around the building this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I saw a preacher do that one day, by the way. You remember that, Robin? Down in Texarkana, it was several years before we stepped into the message of the cross, and he didn't know it either for daily living. He just got pumped up over the fleshly stuff he was preaching, and he just, he just, preacher got so excited, he ran out of the building, just ran out of the building, ran all the way around the building, still had his microphone on, preached all the way around the building, and then came back in the other door. <laughs> Well, that right there was enough to move all of our flesh and we thought that we was having a move of God. <laughs> I know I know what you're all tangled up in. I was tangled up in it too. What we need is the gospel. Hallelujah. Oh, what we need is the gospel. Paul said that in the gospel is the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. <laughs> hey, not all that other stuff that's got to look like it is, but the demonstration of the Spirit and of the Spirit's power is going to be found in the preaching of the gospel. I'm just a Bible believer. They can throw me out, make fun of me, laugh at me, tell me, oh, I just wish he really knew where the church was today. I know where the church is today, but I also know where Jesus is and I know where he's found at work. Hallelujah. It's in faith in that gospel. Glory to God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. And I want you to remember now We read this scripture and we shout hallelujah and we ought to, but this is a message being preached to Peter after he'd played the hypocrite in Antioch. In this same chapter, Paul's telling the people in Galatia the story of what happened to Peter in Antioch when he played the hypocrite. That means he was no longer operating under the wisdom of God. James chapter 3 
tells us that the wisdom that's from above has no partiality and hypocrisy in it. So therefore, that means Peter was now in an instant, but he was learning, hallelujah. In an instant, though, he began to play the hypocrite, which means he was operating in the twinkling of an eye according to the wisdom that's worldly, the wisdom that's of the flesh, and the wisdom that is demonic. No, he wasn't full of a devil. He didn't have a devil, but he was being influenced by demonic powers. Because there is no such thing as just flesh in operation without demonic activity. And again, Christians don't have devils, but we can sure be influenced by the teaching, the doctrines of devils. And when we are, we're going to play the hypocrite. When we are, we're going to be partial. We're going to exalt that preacher and we're going to put that guy down because he's weak in the faith and not as far along as I think I am. But while I'm putting him down, I'll I'll better wake up and realize I'm Apparently not as far along as I thought I was either. I am crucified with Christ, Paul tells the group there in Antioch. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, there's no living except through faith in being crucified with Christ because he was crucified for me. And if I'm going to live now, it's going to be by that faith or I'm not going to live. I'm going to breathe, I'm going to eat, but I'm not going to live. For us, church, to live is Christ. Philippians 1. For us to live is Christ. And if for us to live is not the expression of Christ, you're not living. And if we're not living, that means we look just like everybody else. We act, we're not, but we look like everybody else. If we don't have the look and the appearance of the character and the expression of Christ, then we're not living. I'm not living because I go to church or read the Bible. I'm living if Christ is living in me. Hallelujah. That's how I live, by the faith in which He loved me and gave Himself for me. Now, here's where we're going, verse 21. I do not frustrate. Now, I hope you would write this down, make a mental note of this. Frustrate does not mean I'm I'm just frustrated this morning. Oh, that's how we use the word. That's not what it means. It means to deny and to set aside. Now, remember why he's he's saying what he's saying here is because Peter had stepped outside the rim of faith in the cross and now he, through the fear of those who showed up in Antioch, those people from James' church in Jerusalem, he, 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 he didn't really quite have a grip on this gospel as he could have He learned, let me say it again, Peter learned through this and we've learned through some ignorance that we've stepped into. But that's what this is about. This is about realizing that when Peter jumped up and played the hypocrite, he was denying the grace of God. He had set it aside to go back under his respect for those people that were coming from Jerusalem. We've done that. I said, we've all done that. We, certain people come around and, and, and we're intimidated. And they should be the ones who are intimidated, not us. 
We've not been given the spirit of fear or, or, or intimidation or timidity. We, we've been given the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. They don't have it. They're the ones who are uh, full of timidity. Now, they may act like they're bold and all this, but the Bible says that it's the righteous who are as bold as a lion. Why don't we talk about that? Because that, that goes right along with this. Why Paul's having to remind Timothy, be strong, it's in the, in the grace, it's in Christ. Well, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. We're the righteous people of God in the earth today. Where's my boldness? God says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Where, where's my boldness? This is not a, a message of condemnation. This is a message of the Holy Spirit can quicken me and alarm me and shock me and say, well, Curtis, where is your boldness? You're, you're righteous in Christ. I, I've given you this. That's why the early church, because it doesn't just come natural, the early church said, Lord, give us your bold, give us boldness that we might declare your word. Oh, hallelujah. We need the boldness that comes through faith in the blood, Hebrew says. Mm. Peter was lacking that. Paul, that's why Paul's saying here, uh, listen. I do not frustrate. I do not set aside the grace of God. This is what Paul didn't want Timothy to do. Don't set aside the grace of God, but rather be strong that's found in the grace of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Don't deny it. Don't set it aside just because everybody around you has. Listen, the cross, your faith in the cross has not got anything to do with everybody around you. It's got only to do with you. The cross is not, I'll believe in the cross if I can find other people. No, Jesus went to the cross by himself and purged us from our sins by himself. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. And listen, when you're denying yourself and taking up your cross most of the time, when you're wherever you're at and people, all, all kind of stuff going on, you, you're not going to have a crowd with you. You're not going to have a crowd with you. Folks today talking about, y'all just have excluded yourself. The Bible says what fellowship is there between not, it doesn't say good and evil. It says righteousness and unrighteousness. And the only fellowship there can be in righteousness is those who have their faith in the cross of Christ. The, the fellowship there and there alone is the fellowship of the righteousness of God. I know we're all righteous if we're saved, but if we're, our faith is not in the cross ungodliness and unrighteousness is all God sees. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Don't get mad at me. Write it down. Go check it out for yourself. I'm not CNN just telling you stuff that ain't true and can't be backed up. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what can be found in the Bible and giving you scriptures where you can find it. If you get mad at me, throw rocks at me. Well, really, you're throwing them at the Lord. So watch this now. Paul tells them there, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I'm not going to set it aside. I'm not going to deny it because I would be if righteousness came by the law. These people that showed up from James's church had uh, uh, at least to some degree, they had some kind of uh, uh, aroma about them that Peter was feared because he was there eating and fellowshipping with Gentiles. 
And so, because fear entered his heart, they didn't have, at least, I'm not going to say they didn't have, but Peter didn't think they had. Peter must have thought they were still not believing what he would be, had been revealed to him about Gentiles being saved. And he saw it with his own eyes. Cornelius and his whole household. But something stirred Peter to play the hypocrite, and it was that. It was law versus grace. He was there enjoying the grace of God, fellowshipping with the saved Gentiles, but here come some folks who didn't quite believe the same way, possibly, and Peter in a moment denied the grace, set it aside. That's called frustrating the grace because here come some folks, obviously, that didn't think righteousness came simply through faith in Christ and Him crucified, but that it did only come through the law. Look at what he says. We're not speeding through this too fast. I want you to get this. I do not frustrate. I refuse to set aside to deny the grace of God, which I would be if I think for a second that righteousness comes by the law. Because that would mean Christ died in vain. Do you see how he brings the cross into this? If I'm, and listen, folks, this is not just about initial salvation and being declared righteous by God in Christ Jesus. We're called to bear fruits of that which we were created in. Ephesians 24, 24 tells us we were created in righteousness and true holiness. Righteousness is who we are. In Christ, we are the righteous people of God. But again, that doesn't mean that we're going to walk in Him and bear the fruits of His righteousness, but it does mean we can if we walk in Him just like we received Him and we refuse to let go of that. And some of you listening to me today are going to have to... The Lord's already dealing with you about getting up and getting out of that place. You know it's wrong. It is weak and without power. It's doing nothing but going through the motions. You get all your meat and your strength from the ministry that you find in certain avenues on television or certain ministries such as this one and others on social media. You're finding the truth of God's Word, but you're still sitting in those places for the sake of mama, grandmama, great-grandma. You have got to get up and get out. They are dying. God has showed you. They're not only dying, they are dead they are dead. And you to spend your whole life in that place hoping that something changes one day, well, what are you doing about it? The best thing you could do is confront why, why isn't this message being preached in a loving manner? And when they refuse to do it, that's your ticket right there, my friend. God didn't send you to that place to keep you in a place where they're not hearing the Scriptures preached and taught in the light of Jesus and Calvary. It's not God's not doing that. God's never done that. You might have thought He sent you there. And it, he, he might have if it was right at one time, but I know what I'm talking about. Every city and town in America got church full of churches not hearing the truth of Jesus Christ, meaning the way of the cross pointed to in all of the Scriptures. And if you're in that place, God's already spoken to you, but you're not hearing Him. God's already told you to get up and get out. God's already told you that it's dead. He's told you that it is dead and you, my friend, are dying. 
And you need to get up and get out. You need to be somewhere where you can be in a congregation where the people are literally gathering in the name of Jesus, where the people are literally gathering to strive together for the faith of the gospel. I'm not talking about a perfect people. You're not going to find none. But I will tell you this. The Lord asked the church in Sardis, or He told them, I've not found your works perfect before me. So there are congregations where there is a perfect work taking place. And those congregations, again, you won't find perfect people, but where this message, the gospel is preeminent and it is preached in all the Bible, then you will find a Holy Spirit doing a perfect work. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Only if He's allowed to do the work, and He does the work through faith, in Christ and Him crucified. So Paul tells us here in Galatians 2 and 21, the avenue through which, or Galatians 2, 20 and 21, the avenue through which we live is by the faith of the Son of God. And what did that faith do? How did that faith come? Through Jesus loving us and giving Himself for us at Calvary. There comes the grace of God that Jesus tasted death by to flow into our lives. Not just for the initial salvation, but for <coughs> daily grace because the Bible says God gives what? More grace. Hey! More grace to the humble. <coughs> Who are the humble? Those that keep coming back to Calvary. They keep coming back to Calvary. The focus in heaven right at this moment is the Lamb of God. The focus has always been the Lamb of God. You need to remember that. The, the joy and the celebration that will be in our hearts for all eternity will have the Lamb of God at its centerpiece for eternity. Eternity. We don't know what God's going to do with us in, in the new age that's coming, <coughs> but we do know this. Whatever He does is because of what He did at Calvary in this age. Whatever position we hold, the rewards, the treasures we find when we get there is because of our trust in the Lamb, not a preacher, a church, a denomination. Hallelujah. So the only avenue for grace is through a faith in what Christ did at the cross for us. Grace doesn't come... By what I go and do, grace comes through my faith in what Christ did at Calvary. That's right, again today, 60-year Christian. Again today, it's the same thing. As I received Him, I'm to walk in Him. And if I'm walking in Him, I'm going to have grace. And if I'm, if I'm receiving grace, oh, then I, guess what? Grace has fruit. Wherever God finds true faith, God gives true grace. And wherever there is true grace in operation, that means God is functioning. And if God is functioning anywhere, there's the fruit of God at work. <coughs> hope you understand that. Grace is not what God does in you that has no outward flow. Uh-uh. You better let that go. Grace is never what God does in you that has no outward flow. Whatever God is doing in you it's so that you can express that work. We don't have to tell everybody exactly what God is doing, but the fruit of what God is doing will be seen. That's, that's the whole purpose of Paul telling the church in Philippi. It's God who's working both in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. Therefore, work out. 
work, work, it doesn't mean work for it. It means work out that which He's working in you. We don't work for anything God wants to do, but we do accept His way through the cross and whatever He is allowed to do in us, what He's trying to do in us, He wants it to be worked out so it can be seen by others because we are channels of His glory, vessels for His glory. The grace is in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, without doubt, only speaks of our faith in that which afforded us the grace of God and saved us by baptizing us into the death of Jesus. Now, talking about strength, be strong in the grace that's in Christ. And so I'm going to give you some more scripture this morning. We're getting close to being done about strength. And we quote it all the time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. There's songs about it, and it's true. You can say it. You're quoting Scripture. Nehemiah 8.10 is where we will read this morning. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. (coughs) And he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. I I thought it said sweat there for a minute. (laughs) Drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But I want to read you a New Testament scripture now. Some of you may have not heard, you may have not heard in this light, and this is the light in which you need to hear it. Because any light you claim you have that's not shining through the cross of Christ is not light from heaven. Doesn't matter how you think you discern the Word of God, how you have put together things in the Word of God. If the light doesn't shine from heaven through the cross onto the pages of God's Word, it won't be the Spirit of grace giving you what you need. Because when the Spirit of grace is able to guide you into the truth, then you will be experiencing what the Spirit of grace is able to impart. And again, you can't separate grace from the Holy Spirit of grace. Look at what the New Testament says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, (coughs) concerning this joy. Again, we see here the cross of Christ as the avenue of our joy, the joy of the Lord becoming our strength. Without the cross, my faith there, every day I may say the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I'll live without it. I may quote that, and I see scriptures all the time on social media about they sound so good about the Lord will raise you up as on wings of eagles. And they don't understand that God used that scripture to refer back to how He brought His people out of Egypt. That was by the blood. If God is going to raise you up on wings as eagles, it's going to be because you've come back to Calvary, my friend. 
not you went back to church, not you started reading your Bible and you need to go back to church, you need to read your Bible, but faith in the cross is what allows Him to raise you up as with wings of eagles so that you can soar high above and far beyond the bondages that this world, our flesh, the devil, tries to trap us in. I'm going to say it again. God uses that phrase, wings as eagles, that you read about there in Isaiah 40. And in Exodus, I, don't, I think it might be the 19th chapter, but he refers to what he did, how he brought his people out of Egypt as bringing them out on wings as of eagles. That means by faith in the blood. And here in Hebrews 12 and 2, we see the avenue through which our joy was bought and paid for and the only avenue through which you and I can not only say the joy of the Lord is my strength, but we can find that strength in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus means faith in His sacrifice. Hebrews 12 and 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, can I say this morning, if you're looking unto Jesus by faith in what He did at, at, at the cross, you already see the finish line because He is your beginning and He is your ending. As long if you're looking for some imaginary finish line, oh, if I could just reach the finish line. No, He is your finish line. Glory to God. If you keep looking unto Jesus, you see the finish line because He's the one that began this work and He's the one who will finish this work in you if you keep walking in Him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who... For the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. He endured the cross for that joy that was set before Him, that strength that was set before Him. The Bible says He was crucified in weakness. He had to be so that God's strength could be made perfect. For God's strength is only made perfect in our weakness. And Jesus became a weak and a broken, humble and obedient unto death on the cross for you and I so that that same humility and brokenness, that same grace that He tasted death by, that same joy that He endured to be able to get that same strength which led Him to the cross and even led Him all the way to the point of surrendering His Spirit to the Father in death. Think about that. The cross is where you see the biggest picture and the only avenue of God's strength being made perfect for us in Christ. But he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. With joy, Jesus went to the cross. Oh, it was, it was, he knew it was going to be a painful thing beyond what you and I can even imagine. He sweat drops of blood over it, but he was willing to please the Father, love the Father, endure the Father's will and command for him just for you and me, just for you and me, not so that we could one day wake up and decide that <coughs> I, I, I think I, I've missed it. There's got to be more than the cross. No, that's what we look at if we're going to be looking unto Jesus. That's what we look at if we're going to keep seeing Jesus. 
Because if we're not seeing Him, we can't follow Him. And what we're hearing determines what we will see. I preached it Wednesday night. What we're hearing determines what we will see. You need to remember that. Everything we have comes through the cross. And everything that you and I offer to God must be through faith in the cross. Whether it's praying, praying in the name of Jesus means faith in what He did at Calvary. Whether it's worship somewhere, anywhere, whether it's giving of our funds, if it's not through faith in the cross, none of it's being received. None of it's being received. We know that because it doesn't just happen. We have to be reminded, as I hope we all are today, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. That means in what He did at Calvary. There's where everything's poured out to men. And when we run to our Heavenly Father through faith in that blood, you're going to find that boldness that the Lord says the righteous will have. You're going to find that strength that the Bible says we can have. You're going to have everything God's called you to have, to be, to walk in. You're going to find it when you come back to Calvary. I didn't say everything's going to be hunky-dory. I didn't say everything's going to get perfect, but the work of God will be perfect in your life. It'll be a perfect work that only He can do. And we know He's going to have to do it until we see Him because we're so imperfect. But the work He does is a work where He provides grace, He provides strength, He provides all that He died to give us, and it's all free. My friends, don't begin to try to work for what Jesus died so that you and I can freely have. And I know the mentality to go that route is so subtle and so deceptive. A new book can come out and tell us this is it. This is it. I've been there. I've done that. We did that for several years thinking that, oh, we just need to find that avenue through which God is going to pour out. And every church, I hope, is looking for that, but I hope they begin to find it's the cross. Everything else is something we're looking for to put us on the map. We're not here to be put on the map. We're here to magnify the name of Jesus, the one who created the map. Hallelujah. We're not here to look for something that will put our church on the map. We're here to preach that, what made us the church to begin with. If we're looking as preachers for a, a phrase to coin, to be known by, then we're going the wrong avenue. We should be humble and broken and so blessed and thankful just to preach the one who saved us, just the one who found us in religion and called us back to the wonderful work He gave us at Calvary, just to preach that true gospel. While many will forsake the message Paul was given, we refuse but we stay determined with the Apostle Paul, the message God gave him for us to stay determined to know absolutely nothing but that truth. Then the Scriptures begin to open up. Then the Scriptures begin to be the truth that liberates us, that gives us this boldness, to, that gives us the grace to stand when people are falling around us, dropping out like flies, oh, with the great justifiable excuses in their own hearts, but not according to the Word of God. We stand in the grace, and therefore, for us to live is Christ. I hope you've been blessed today. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you 
have received something of the Lord today. Maybe a fire was lit in your soul for the truth of God's Word. And I pray that we wouldn't let that fire go out because we are the ones who control that. We are the ones who control whether the fire stays lit or goes out. We're the one who controls whether we continue to, to reach for that strength of God that's in, gray, in the grace of God, in Christ Jesus, or we're the ones that will choose to begin to be wavered and go to the side because friends, relatives, co-workers, whoever, maybe it's Peter, still had too much of a pull on our lives. But thanks be to God, Peter matured past that. Thanks be to God, the Lord has found us and pulled us through big boatloads of hypocrisy and partiality. And at times, if we're honest, we still get hit upside the head by things that we have to be awakened from and we have to fight the good fight of faith to go through. I hope you have been encouraged. I hope you will share these things. And I know God has told some of you today some things that will change much in your life. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that you give this ministry to speak into your life. And I'm thankful for those. There won't be many. There will not be many. But there will be a few. It's called a remnant that will be raised up in these last days. They will not be mighty of themselves. They will not show the muscle. They will not show weaponry. They will show Jesus because He is our life. He is our warrior. And the battle is His. The battle belongs to Him. And if we're going to keep marching as good soldiers, we're going to have to let Him have the reign of our lives and He'll do that through faith and the sacrifice He afforded us at Calvary. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to pray for us. So into the ministry at thecrosswaychurch.com and you can text your giving to 903-231-5950. So into the ministry where you're being fed the truth that it will change your life and give you the strength you need. We praise God for every one of you. And until then, next time I'll see you when I see you. God bless you and stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.